Welcome to Had to Be There, the podcast that allows you to explore the world's greatest destinations through the stories of those who have been there. Here to ignite the wanderlust within, your host and favorite travel planner, Kelly Acevedo. Hello, travel bugs. Welcome back to the Had to Be There podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and this is episode 53. In today's episode, we are going to be chatting with Jake Rosemarin, who recently had a little bit of a viral moment on social media for one of his life's major had to be there moments. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. But before we jump in, you know what time it is. Welcome back to the Weekly Roundup. This week, I am joined by a fellow Academy Travel affiliate, Cassie. Cassie, welcome to the Weekly Roundup. Thank you for having me. Of course. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself before we get into all the news? My name is Cassie, and I am from Memphis, Tennessee, and I have been with Academy for four years. So I am a Disney fanatic, has been since (laughs) I have been a little kid. So it is my dream to plan vacations and go as many times as I can. (laughs) I love it. Will, Will I see you this spring on The Wish? I wish um, <laughs> I couldn't make it work this time, but hopefully I can go next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. We have lots to talk about this week. So let's start with Walt Disney World. Do you want to kick us off? Yes. So they have added more to their after hours events. If people are not sure what after hours are, they're much um, appreciated for people who love to ride rides um, and enjoy (laughs) all the uh, fun things to do when people leave. But they have actually added Epcot in mm. Typhoon Lagoon. Apparently, Typhoon Lagoon has this amazing party called the H2O Party. And um, so they are adding in to more. So now we have for After Hours, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood, Epcot, and Typhoon Lagoon. Those so. sound so fun. I really want to try to do one this year. You should. I did uh, Animal Kingdom one year and it was so worth it. It was so worth it. You get drinks, um, like any any sprites, like uh, Dr. Pepper's, Cokes, anything like that, um, as much as you want. And ice cream bars galore and (laughs) popcorn as much as you want the whole time. And it's just so much fun. Like we rode Everest or uh, yeah, Expedition Everest like six times in a row, I think. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Before we moved on. But yeah. Oh, funny. That sounds so fun. It was. It was a blast. It was a blast for sure. Um, I have updates on a couple of refurbishments. Uh, So I saw that Narcoozies is finally reopening. Yes. uh, April 
1st, which means reservations are going to open March 1st. So that's this week. Um, Okay. And Narcoosie's has been closed for a while now. A uh, long time. Yeah. yeah. And I know there were some rumors as to like whether or not they were going to reopen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited that they are. Um, and then I also saw that the concierge lounge at Boardwalk is closing for refurbishment like mid-March. But they'll be open again uh, by the end of April. Okay. And will that make um, walking through the boardwalk a little more difficult? You know, it's tough to say. Um, I think that they make it uh, pretty accessible, um, but I think that maybe you may see some construction. um, So, you know, keep that in mind if you're trying to get like pictures. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because the boardwalk is a must-see for anybody who's never been. (laughs) One of my favorites. It's so beautiful. I love it. Why don't you uh, take us over to the West Coast? All right. Disneyland is kicking off strong with the (laughs) 100-year anniversary. They have a lot going on. They added another wonderful thing for Avengers. They're adding more and more shows that you just Mm. don't want to miss. They're continuing to add more and more characters, I believe, um, throughout the day where you can see as you're walking around the Avengers campus. I think they're going to continue to add more as more and more movies come out, I believe. Especially with Ant-Man coming out. Um, which I heard was really good as well. Um, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard anything else about the shows? Um, I did see that they have a new uh, little musical yes. that they're opening at the Hyperion yes. over there. That's going to be super cute. I love any kind of stage show. And I um, believe such that's Captain America, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah that would be so cool. That's going to be very fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, and DVC members have to be excited because we all got a sneak peek into the villas that they're building at Disneyland Hotel. Yes. These are going to be open in September. They're shooting for. And I was just going through and saw like they've got rooms inspired by the old classics like the Jungle Book and <gasps> Bambi, Ooh. Sleeping Beauty, Fantasia. But then they also have some of those modern day classics mixed in. So you've got the Princess and the Frog, Moana, Frozen. They're going to be insane. I am so so exciting. Yeah, that is amazing. I love that they can just continue just to add themes more and more throughout. That will be so exciting. Absolutely. Uh, what else you got over there in uh, Disneyland? So they are um, at DCA, Disney California Adventure. They are adding a um, San Francisco. I believe that's how they say it. If you ever seen Big Hero 6, they are doing a mashup of San Francisco and Tokyo. Um, they're going to have a play on the Golden Gate Bridge mixed with a little bit of Tokyo around there. They're going to, um, you're going to be able to eat and shop over there. Um, it's just going to be a little um, part just for Big Hero 6. They wanted to add that into um, 
DCA to just show some love. Yeah. I believe it's an anniversary. Maybe that's why they're doing it. I may have read that wrong. I was wondering. I feel like this particular film has a little bit of like a cult following growing. Yeah, which is I've cool, only seen like, it once. To that's to be one fair, more than I've seen it. To be honest with you, <laughs> and I feel like I'm missing something. So I'm definitely gonna get on that because. Uh, Certainly before my next visit. I want to know yeah, what's going I on. I met Baymax <laughs> and Epcot. So that was fun. Cute. So maybe they'll have some like great photo ops for everybody to come over there. And maybe yeah. he can like show up and have some fun with everybody. So hopefully that will be out there. If not, they need to make that happen because that would be great. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Uh, they also released uh, some promos for Disneyland. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, they did. So um, there is a promo right now up to 15% of select rooms at the Disneyland Resort Hotel. Mm. So that's going on to help celebrate the 100th uh, celebration going on. And that's between March 12th through um, June 8th. Nice. So that's pretty exciting. They also have for Visa card, Disney <laughs> Visa card members is up to 25% on hotels. So they're adding more and more magical things uh, throughout these days to help um, spread the magic. They even added their after hours as well. Yeah. Um, so they have a Star Wars night yep. and then a throwback night. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. That throwback like that night looks like it's going to be a good time. I know. <laughs> I love that they're themed. That's so I exciting. It's very cool. <laughs> um, speaking of promos, if you're not a uh, Disney fanatic like we are, uh, the Nickelodeon Resort has a big uh, spring break promo going on right now for their uh, Riviera Maya location. So if you are planning to travel from March 18th to April 16th um, to either... Oh, actually, it's Punta Cana or Riviera Maya. My bad. Ooh. I know. They're hosting their first ever slime break getaway. Uh, (laughs) An epic family celebration featuring themed experiences, limited time activities, and lots more. So you got to book by March 30th to get the promo, which is save up to 40% plus $350 in resort credits. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. Yeah, for sure. And if you love theme parks, then Universal has a deal going on right now where it is get two days free with a two-park three-day ticket. Whoa. I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's a phenomenal deal because I feel like you could spend so many days at Universal because there's just so much to see. And so, yeah, that's two park, three days. So that means you can go to both parks and um, get two days free. You can even add in Volcano Bay um, for $35 more if okay. you would like for that. So that's pretty awesome. I have not stayed. I have not gone to Volcano Bay, but that is on my list because it looks 
phenomenal. It is beautiful just from the pictures alone. Like I just, I dream about it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not much of a water park person, but they do say it's like a full day experience. Yeah, I'm not either, but it just looks so wonderful. Like I just want to just go just to just chill and just enjoy it. So absolutely. Yeah. Universal is kicking it off strong with their deals as well. So you just got, you guys need to get out there and go. I love it. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like think that does it for updates from the last week. Uh, Cassie, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, it's Cassie Canner. Cassie Carter Hammer and on Facebook affiliated with Academy Travel. And um, I'm also on Instagram at Cassie Carter Hammer. And that's where you can find me. Excellent. Thank you so much for being my guest co-host this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I will be back next and every week with another weekly roundup. Thank you, Cassie, for joining me as this week's guest host for the Weekly Roundup. Now, let's get into this week's episode. In the Southern Atlantic Ocean, there's a remote and isolated territory that belongs to the United Kingdom. This rugged and untouched wilderness is located thousands of miles or kilometers from any major landmass, with the Falkland Islands to the northwest and Antarctica to the south as its nearest neighbors. Despite its harsh climate and isolation, this region is home to a diverse array of wildlife, including penguins, seals, and albatrosses. Throughout history, this area has attracted explorers, whalers, and scientists who have braved its challenging conditions in search of adventure and knowledge. Today, we are joined by one traveler who had the opportunity to experience the wonders of this incredible destination for himself. This is South Georgia Island. Jake, welcome to the Had to Be There podcast. I am so honored to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Before we jump in, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about you? Okay, so I'm Jake and I'm from a small town about an hour northwest of New York City. Uh, After I graduated college from Emory University, I started working in TV advertising. I was working in Manhattan until the pandemic hit. Um, And then I never really wanted to stay in that industry. So I had always been planning on leaving my job and traveling for a bit, but COVID kind of threw that um, in a different direction. (laughs) So after staying at my job for a little bit longer, I finally decided to quit and take a year to travel. Um, Travel has always been my passion. Uh, I've been traveling since I'm 13 or so. 
Um, But this was really an opportunity for me to just travel for almost a full year. And it was really unbelievable. That's incredible. And honestly, quitting your job to travel is like, that's the dream, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's scary. It's a scary thing to do. But like, I don't think anyone you ask who does it or has done it regrets it because there's no regrets, even though there's always going to be speed bumps, especially starting the travels, you know, during Omicron, that was a a rough few, few months for the start. And then a lot of the stuff that I had planned for the year, um, I didn't actually know if it was going to happen or not since countries were still opening and everything kind of just like went went with the flow and everything kind of just worked itself out over the course of, you know, 13 months. Amazing. Glad to hear it. So you started traveling very young. Do you remember the trip you took that was like, okay, this is for me. This is what I want to do. This is something I want to pursue. So in middle school and actually through high school and into college, I was taking Chinese. Um, wow. The Chinese program was introduced while I was in sixth grade and I actually wasn't part of it originally, but a spot opened up in the class and I ended up being in it. And while I was in middle school, there was something called the Orange County Youth Symphony. It was a symphony in my county in New York. And while I was in eighth grade, they were doing a trip to China Um, someone told the head of the symphony that I was taking Chinese and they invited me to come along on this trip during spring break to China. And that's what was like travels my thing. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredible experience to have at such a young age. Talk about a core memory. (laughs) Exactly. It was, it was pretty incredible for such a, a big trip. Um, you know, I had gone on a trip to Israel with my family when I was in sixth grade. But like this kind of uh, at that age, I don't know if I didn't appreciate it as much, but that two year difference was huge and kind of just like going so far from home at such a young age and just getting experience such a different culture was just amazing. Absolutely. Did your family go with you to that um, on that trip? So my mom actually had my aunt come with me because she couldn't go and my dad couldn't go, but they wanted someone to go with me, even yeah, though I was going to be far. with a group. But yeah, yeah, at a young age, it was far. So my aunt came with me. Wow, that's great. I wonder if that changed your experience at all. Um, I don't know, like it's different. Your relationship with your uh, and your uncle would be different than with your mom or your dad, you know? Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, it's a different experience. But I feel like now I've just had so many different experiences, whether it's being solo travel or with family members. And they're Mm -hmm. all definitely different experiences, but I totally get that. Like being with my aunt versus being with my mom, it would have been a totally different kind of uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have a running tally as to how many different places you have visited so far? Um, So I feel like I've actually, I was actually having this conversation with a friend today And everyone counts differently, right? Sure. So it's like, it depends on who you ask or what list you're looking at. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you counting countries and territories together, just countries? Or what are you counting as? You know, my big thing was like, when you visit Hawaii, are you visiting a different continent? It's part of Oceania, depending on who you ask. So Mm -hmm. um, I say 
I mean, my new thing is I say I've been to 82 countries and territories across all seven continents. That's wow. what I say. That's very impressive. <laughs> A little intimidating, but very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Amazing. So tell me where you're taking us today. Okay. So we're going to South Georgia Island. That can be kind of what we're going to zoom in on. Um, I just got back from an expedition expedition trip to the Falkland Islands, also known as Isla Malvinas, South Mm -hmm. Georgia Island and Antarctica. Um, This was a trip that I was supposed to take back in January of 2022, but because of Omicron, it got canceled. So I was postponed to this past month. Um, And South Georgia Island was just a place that I always wanted to visit. It was in, you know, it's always in travel documentaries pertaining to wildlife. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you'll see a lot of documentaries on BBC that David Attenborough is in. And and South Georgia is just one of those places that are always in these documentaries. So I've seen it so much. And as a kid, I was always into looking at the National Geographic magazines. And it's definitely a spot that you see a lot in the magazines um, just because it's home to the largest concentration of marine wildlife in the world, Mm -hmm. which is something pretty spectacular. And I actually didn't know until I went there that that was the case. Um, And it's interesting to compare to like, let's say if you visit the Galapagos as somewhere that you know you're going to see wildlife. Sure. And I, I tell people I'm like going to South Georgia Island was like visiting the Galapagos, but on steroids. (laughs) Like, like it was just, it was just like so overwhelming the amount, like you couldn't take a step without seeing something. Wow. Yeah. Between, between penguins and seals. I mean, mostly amazing, crazy. And the island just has a lot of history too, which is, it's a, it's a very interesting place. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the journey to get to South Georgia Island. Cause that's not an easy. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. So What's interesting and different about South Georgia Island than other places you would visit on an Antarctic expedition. So I visited most of what you could possibly do on an Antarctic expedition. You know, you can visit the Falkland Islands, which is right off the coast of Argentina. Um, There's a whole history there in itself. Then Mm -hmm. there's South Georgia Island, which is another... 800 miles, I think, away from the Falklands going uh, eastward. But then it's also 800 miles north of Antarctica. And unlike the Falklands and Antarctica, which you can fly to, and I don't think people realize you can fly to Antarctica. um, You can. It's expensive, but you can. You cannot fly to South Georgia Island. So your only option there is to get there by a boat. Right. Right. the way my itinerary worked is we took the ship from Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in Argentina. And depending mm-hmm. on you, who you ask, it's the southernmost city in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, two days to get to the Falklands. And then another two days after we were in the Falklands, two to two and a half days to get to South Georgia. Wow. And going between the Falklands and South Georgia, you're just not seeing anything. Like you're just in the ocean. With an oh occasional gosh. with an occasional iceberg. 
There, oh my there God. are some icebergs that are coming all the way up there from Antarctica. So wow. not an uncommon sighting, but yeah. And the waters in this area of the world, they can be pretty rough and right. you're rocking back and forth. And it's not the Drake Passage, which I know was a huge thing on social media back in November, December, mm-hmm. but it's still rocky and definitely rockier than most people can tolerate. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I didn't get seasick, but most people on my boat did. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it's a it's a long journey to get there, but it's I mean, it's worth every second. The Had to Be There podcast is brought to you by Vacations by Kelly, where your host becomes your travel agent. As a proud affiliate of Academy Travel, Kelly specializes in Disney destinations and can help with all non-Disney excursions worldwide as well. When you book with Kelly, you're getting much more than a travel agent. You're getting a personalized concierge-level travel partner. And the best part? Her services are completely free. It's true. So when you're ready to make your next travel dream a reality, Vacations by Kelly is ready to make it happen. Visit hadtobethere.net slash vacations to get started. So tell me a little about this this viral moment that you had, because this is how I found you. I follow all the bucket listers and wanderlusters accounts on Instagram, and they all posted this video of you having this moment upon arrival. Can you tell me a little about this? Yeah, I'll, I'll try not getting emotional because I still get emotional thinking I'm about already getting emotional. Yeah, <laughs> thinking about how I got to experience this place that I've just dreamed of going to and just, you know, already getting can it was actually canceled twice because of COVID. So it was like, kind of like, I'm never going to get there. That's, that's right. where I was getting to that place where it's like, I'm not going to get there. So, mm-hmm. you know, after two and a half days at Rocky seas and we end up stopping as our first place in South Georgia, we're stopping at Salisbury plain, which is one of the most iconic places on the Island. It's one of the most photographed places because it's known for its King penguin colony. Mm-hmm. And we get there and we're, we're told, we're arriving in Salisbury Plain and I'm in bed and we get our wake up call and we're told that there's penguins and seals swimming around our ship mm-hmm. and that we were approaching anchor point. And so I go up and everyone ends up being called down for breakfast and I skip breakfast because I just needed to take in this moment. And yeah. I go out on deck and you could just hear the penguins from the ship. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to tears because you could see from the ship you know, there's a beach and then there's this area that just cuff, like it's a sea of, of King penguins. Oh my God. And the mountains behind it, 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 it just, you know, a crazy sight to see because it's the, the ocean and then a little bit of flat area that's covered in penguins and then these <laughs> giant mountains behind it. So oh, it's really wow. an unreal thing to see. Um, and that, that just brought me to tears and I probably cried the whole time everyone was in breakfast. <laughs> just just waiting to get on that zodiac to bring me to shore because yeah. that was i mean that was like our first like it was one of our first big zodiac rides too because it we were much further from shore than when we were in the falklands so it was uh it's crazy oh my gosh that's so amazing and like you said like the days at sea that you spent to get there yeah and then just yeah. having that moment and that release of like all the canceled trips <laughs> and the you know the rocky 
waves and everything else. And then you have this instant and everything was worth it. That's incredible. And what's really cool is like everyone compared it. I, you know, I read through all those comments on all those, uh, Oh wow. Uh, Instagrams that are, that are shared. <laughs> and there's a lot, there's, there's, there's way more kindness than there is hate. Yeah. But yeah. it's funny because everyone compared it to like happy feet. And I'm like, yeah, it's like happy feet, but it's not because everyone <laughs> thinks that king penguins look like emperor penguins. Right. But right. king penguins are actually the second largest species of penguins where emperors are the largest. Mm-hmm. And emperor penguin colonies are significantly smaller. Right. So like, some emperor penguin colonies, like the largest ones, are like thirteen to fourteen thousand breeding pairs. Mm-hmm. And to your average person, that's going to sound like a lot of penguins. Sure. This colony we went to, the first stop wasn't even the largest we went to in South Georgia. We went to a larger one, but that was wow. seventy thousand breeding pairs of king penguins. Oh so that's God. that's you know two hundred to three hundred thousand penguins that wow. we saw, and they're. They're large and they're close together. So it's just like a literal sea of penguins. It's just insane. Oh, that's what I imagine heaven is like. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And everyone and the second most thing is everyone thinks it's going to smell really bad. But surprisingly, it doesn't smell as bad as you think it smells. Really? No. I wondered if I should ask that because I have heard that also. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, for me personally, I did not think it smelled nearly as bad as you'd expect it to smell. Okay. Um, I think it has to do with the air temperature not being so warm. That's valid. Um, yeah. And then it's also like, you know, it's in the open. So nothing's, you know, containing the smell. It's not like, and I keep comparing, like you go to the zoo or you go to, let's say you go to SeaWorld or a place that has penguins or seabirds. Sure. And you go in this enclosed building. Yeah. And it stinks. Of course. Yeah. It doesn't smell nearly as bad as that. Wow. Yeah. Which I think I thought was cool. And I think it's cool to tell people that because it's, 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 I find it kind of fascinating. Yeah. That absolutely is fascinating. Good to know. (laughs) Did you have the opportunity at all when you were there to interact with any of the like researchers or um, any of those folks who are on the island? So we didn't go to any um, research like technical research bases, but mm-hmm. in South Georgia, there's Gritvikin, which okay. we can say is the the capital um, city of the, what is the British overseas territory of South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands, even though mm-hmm. most of the government officials are based in the Falklands. Most right. of the time they do always have people in South Georgia and there's, um, they're kind of like, you know, on a monthly basis or some people stay longer than others. Right next to Gritvikin is King Edward Point, And that's where some of the British Antarctic survey research people are. Okay. Um, so we didn't, you know, we got to talk and go on a little tour of Gritvikin with people who were living there, but mm-hmm. we didn't actually get to, you know, talk with the research people. Okay. Um, but there were, I mean, just the knowledge that the expedition team has, you know, the people who are on that ship for all, you know, almost three weeks that mm. we were on the ship with them. They're so knowledgeable. Um, they all studied and did different things and they actually give lectures, you know, on those days at sea. 
So, which is really cool because you're getting all this information and you're also getting it before, like you're getting a lot before you arrive and then you're still getting more after, you know, you've left. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was, it's just, you know, you're never bored on a sea day. I'm sure. (laughs) And I imagine that there's a lot of, uh, emphasis on environmental conservation and sustainability and that kind of thing. Yes. 100%. So you know, when you see a lot of times on social media, all these things about going to Antarctica and this and that, it's all from like, I feel like a lot of times it's just from an influencer standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I like to tell people like, there was some TikToks about the Drake Passage and I felt like they were over-exaggerated because what people are posting about the Drake Passage is like, it's just normal. That's your average Drake passage. Because if it's actually a bad Drake passage, a bad Drake shake, you're not going out of your room. You can't like they won't right. let you because you literally wouldn't be able to walk. You'd just fall right. over. So it's the same thing with like people don't realize when you're going these places, the importance of things like biosecurity, mm-hmm. which was huge, when, especially when we were going to South Georgia, because unlike Antarctica, where there is biosecurity and you have to do it for Antarctica as well. When you're going to South Georgia, one of the first, you know, day or two, you have to stop in Griffin and there's someone that's part of the government and they come on board and check and make sure that everyone's, you know, being biosecure before you, you get off the boat and the company gets a score based on it. And we actually ended up getting a hundred percent. We were completely biosecure, but we were called down, you know, by floor to the lounge. There was only one lounge on my ship. I was on a relatively small ship compared to some others, um, only 108 passengers. And you have to go through, you have to clean your boots and you have to take a, a, a paper clip and make sure there's no little stones or anything in the crevices. And then you have to take every piece of, of, um, fuzz out of Velcro and your jackets and all the, and vacuum. And you have to be completely clean because they're like, you know, there could be, you know, some kind of bacteria or whatever that's hiding behind that fuzz that's in the Velcro of your jacket. And what's so important right now is when you're going around these different penguin colonies, you know, there's the avian flu, the bird flu that's killing, you know, thousands of these, these birds. And it's making its way south to this, the sub Antarctic and Antarctica. And they really want to ensure that, you know, us visiting is not, affecting these these populations right absolutely that's but i mean stuff that like you wouldn't really think think about that's yeah wild yeah and they have like these these uh areas for when you get back off the zodiac to like clean your boots even though you need to clean them before you even get on the zodiac they have brushes and everything like on the beach so you're just cleaning your boots by the penguins and the seals Oh my God, and then you have to get on the Zodiac and then you get back on the ship and then there's another place for you to sanitize your boots and scrub them before oh you God. go back inside. <laughs> I mean, you want to make yeah. sure your boots are clean because if that goes in your room and it's not clean, it is, it's going to smell. That, well, that, yeah, will, of course. that will smell. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me uh, a little bit about the rest of your itinerary for this trip. What else did you guys get to see and do? Okay, so... Like I said, we left from Ushuaia and we went to the Falkland Islands first. Um, We were there for two days and there we got to see uh, 
Magellanic penguins, rockhopper penguins, and Gentoo penguins, as well as a big colony of black-browed albatross, which are not the largest wingspan bird in the world because that's a wandering albatross, which we also got to see a bunch of those. But I think they still have a wingspan of about eight to nine feet, which is, these are huge birds. And we were there during chick season. So there was all the albatross chicks and there were all the the rock hopper penguin chicks and they were adorable. Um, The Falkland Islands is actually, you can also see king penguins there as well. So there's a lot of wildlife that you can see on that island and people actually fly there and they'll spend a week or two just exploring the Falkland Islands. Um, After the Falklands, we went to South Georgia and that's where we really spent the longest amount of the trip. Um, And we saw fur seals, Antarctic fur seals, which I think it has the largest population of Antarctic fur seals in the world, about 5 million. Oh my gosh. King penguins, uh, Gentoo penguins, macaroni penguins, Mm. uh, chin strap penguins. Then we also ended up seeing uh, leopard seals. Um, and I think we always oh, saw wet seals as well. So it's just, you know, full of all different wildlife, not, to, not to even mention the amount of whales we just saw being at sea and then making our stuff. Oh my stops. gosh. I can't even imagine. <laughs> fin whales, say whales, beaked whales, humpback whales, um, crazy. So after oh the Falklands, gosh. we made our way or sorry, after South Georgia, we continued to Antarctica we were originally supposed to stop in South Orkney, um, which is also, I think it's part of, I think it's part under the Antarctic Treaty, but it's kind of further north. So it's not too close to the peninsula. Mm. Um, it's usually a hard stop because of weather. So we were actually rerouted to Elephant Island, um, which is where Shackleton he was a British explorer. His men, some of his men had to stay there for, I think, four and, four and a half months. Wow. And it was a really cool place because it was our first taste of Antarctica. So this was after another two and a half days at sea. Oh we gosh. make it to Antarctica, you know, our first island stop. And where we were originally supposed to go was just totally foggy. The swells were huge. There was no way we were getting off for a Zodiac cruise. And on these trips, there's always plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. So we were going to plan B. We go to plan B as we're going along the coast of the island, the fog starts to lift and you just see these beautiful snow covered peaks. Wow. And we make our way around and we're able to get on our Zodiac cruise and we got to see chinstrap and macaroni penguins on land, which Mm. we were only able to see them on in the water before when we were in South Georgia, because both times we were trying to see them, the water was rough. So we had to do a different plan. Oh. Um, but it was really special to get to see these macaroni and chinstrap penguins because yeah. we got to photograph them. They were on the rocks. And even there, the the colony of chinstrap penguins, I think was almost 11,000 breeding pairs. So it was a huge colony. Oh my gosh. And then after Elephant Island, we continued down to the peninsula. And because of the way we were coming from, we were going to the eastern part of the peninsula, the northern eastern part, which a lot of people don't go to. Most people are going to the western part of the peninsula just because when you're coming down from the tip of South America, that's a more direct route. Right. Um, and what's cool about 
the eastern part is there's so many Adelie penguins and mm-hmm. Adelie penguins are like mischievous little penguins. One of the expedition <laughs> staff was like, they're, they're the kind of penguins that are like, they're going to take over the ship. Like they're, 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 they always have some kind of, of devious plan. And on the Eastern part of the, uh, the Western part of the peninsula, they have Adelie penguins, but they're, you're not as likely to get to see them. Mm. Um, so when we go to, we went to Paulette Island, which was our first stop next to the peninsula. And there was a hundred thousand breeding pairs of Adelie penguins oh and they all gosh. had chicks and you just see them in groups. Um, so I think, was it, my sister just sent me something that uh, Zoe Deutsch had posted about people don't know, you know, a group of penguins when it's not with its colonies called a waddle. But little does Zoe Deutsch know, a waddle's only when it's on land, but when it's in the water, it's a raft. <laughs> so a group of penguins in water is a raft, but a group of penguins on land is a waddle. Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, even after seeing millions upon millions of penguins, you just don't get over seeing penguins. I mean, they're amazing. They're, they're so funny. They have so much personality. Yes. Um, it just, it, it was unreal. It really was so amazing. Oh my God. I love it. We, I had mentioned this to you before we started recording and I've talked about it on the show before, but I am such a penguin fanatic. Yeah. My parents growing up, they always collected like penguin tchotchkes. And so when we were kids, you know, we would get penguin stuffed animals, penguin blankets, penguin Christmas ornaments. Um, so it was just something that was kind of passed down from from them to to me. And I I mean, I came in the house last week and my husband was watching a penguin documentary without me and I immediately like welled up with tears. <laughs> I get so emotional. So when I saw that video, I was like, I have to talk to him. <laughs> I have to hear if this is really as as amazing as I built it up in my head. And now it is. So now it, this it is, is this is at the top of my bucket list now, Jake. Yes, this is, this uh, is what you did. <laughs> it's it's a great thing to have on your bucket list. It really is. <laughs> and you're talking, I mean, you love penguins. One of my bucket lists is to see every species of penguin in the wild. Wow. I think there's 18 species of penguin. And I've yeah. seen, I think I've seen 10 of them now. So, wow. So Eight more so to you're go. Well on your way. Yeah. Eight more to go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so let's do a little, uh, like a lightning round. Um, okay. On some of the best that all of these destinations that you visited have to offer. So tell me which destination has had the best culinary experience? Culinary experience? Mm-hmm. Who's got the best food, Jake? <laughs> I feel like I really like Greek food. Greece Ooh. has really good food. I mean, all Mediterranean area countries have great food, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with Greece. I loved the food in Greece. I love it. Uh, what is your go-to travel accessory? What do you always have in your carry-on? Other than my camera? Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Other yeah. than your camera. Other than my camera. <laughs> okay. Um, a travel adapter. Oh, travel that's adapter. That's a good one. Smart. Yep. Travel adapter. I like it. Which destination has had the friendliest locals? 
friendliest locals. Probably Bali. Oh. Bali. And I'm not going to say Indonesia because there's a whole thing there. People get upset if you've only been to Bali. I've only been to Bali, so I'm going to stick with Bali. (laughs) I like it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it PC. (laughs) Which destination has had the best beaches? Um, it's a hard one. <laughs> Probably also Bali. I had Bali a had really great beaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bali had really great beaches. I haven't been to too many beachy places, so okay. Bali, Bali had really nice beaches. What is your favorite mode of transportation when you're traveling? When I'm traveling, I go on tours a lot, like group tours. So okay. I honestly like group tour buses. They're easy to sleep on in between <laughs> places, you know, get a good nap. They're usually pretty yes. comfortable. So okay, yeah, I like, I like, I like, the group, it. like the group tour buses. I don't mind them. Excellent. Is there any one destination that you feel keeps calling you back like you would visit again and again honestly i had this conversation with someone real recently buenos aires i love buenos aires it's a fun city it's beautiful it's large there's always something new to do and it's very reasonable it's a very reasonable city for young people to visit oh i like it all right which, and I don't know if this is going to tie in here, but which destination has the best nightlife? Best nightlife. Okay, so you're maybe not asking the right person for this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a nightlife person. I'm not a nightlife person. Um, <sighs> let me think. Ooh, it's a hard one. Since, like I said, honestly. I feel like Tel Aviv had pretty good nightlife. Tel Aviv had pretty good nightlife. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So Tel Aviv has good nightlife. That's when I was doing an internship and I I actually went out. So. (laughs) So that was the one nightlife that you experienced. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely experienced nightlife there. I love it. Um, What has been the most unique accommodations that you've ever stayed in? Okay. So the most unique one that I would totally go back to because I thought it was so cool was staying at, um, eco camp in Patagonia. Um, it was kind of like, uh, tented igloos. Um, okay. The one I was in wasn't even heated and it was cold, but it like, you know, the blanket was, comfortable like it kept you warm but yeah it was a it was so cool it was such a cool place to stay amazing and that was in Torres del Paine National Park in Chile I love it um what has been the best travel advice you've ever received best travel advice is kind of I guess just if something goes wrong don't panic Cause that's not mm. going to change the situation. And mm-hmm. it's something that I used to always do a lot is I would always panic if something went wrong mm. and I'm usually someone who's high anxiety, but now it's the one time 
that I don't panic is when something goes wrong while I'm traveling because it's not going to help your situation at all. That's true. That's great advice, actually. I struggle with that, too. It's like as soon as one thing goes off plan, I'm like, ah, yeah, panic, panic, panic. (laughs) That's great advice. Um, Let's see. Hmm. Do you have a favorite travel app or website? A favorite travel app or website? Um, Either to help with planning or to help with. Like mm-hmm. I said, I do a lot of group travel. Um, mm-hmm. I travel with a young adult travel company. It's called EF Ultimate Break for 18 to 35 year olds. Okay. Um, so that's usually my first stop is I look on their website, see what's going on. Um, if not, I always use like, like if I'm looking for flights and things like that, I'm looking at Google flights and I mm. honestly hop around different um, travel companies just to look at their itineraries to get ideas of things to do and stuff like that. And I always use Viator if I'm traveling solo because they're so easy to put day trips on. Oh, I love it. Great tip. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that's currently at the top of your travel bucket list? Any destination you have yet to check off? Yes. So I'd say one that's super high on my list that I don't currently have planned would be to go to Uganda and Rwanda to trek for the mountain gorillas. Wow. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. I I need to get on that. (laughs) I like your attitude. (laughs) Jake, this has been so fun. Before I let you go, I know you do a lot of travel photography. Um, where can people find you if they want to see any of your work or follow any of your adventures? So I post a lot of my photography and all of my travel stuff on, I'd say mostly my Instagram and TikTok. And those are both just my name. So at Jake Rosemarin, uh, at J-A-K-E-R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N. And that's where I post all of my stuff. And I'm constantly trying to, you know, post travel tips and things to do and highlights of my trips and really just try to get people motivated to travel. Oh, I love it. And I'm so glad you're doing that. And are you is I know that you said that your year off is up. So what's next for you? I really don't know what's next. I'm currently living at home in New York, trying to find a job. Um, Okay looking into travel industry openings or even social media in the travel industry and things like that. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks and months and see if I find something. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best and I will certainly be following along. So don't be a stranger. (laughs) You're welcome back anytime to talk about any of your other experiences. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Kelly. (laughs) Absolutely. Take care. You too. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support is to rate or review us on whatever platform you're listening. And if this episode left you feeling like you just had to be there, reach out to Kelly to start planning an adventure of your own. Don't forget to follow us at HadToBeThere203 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And visit our website, www.HadToBeThere.net. Until next time, get out there and make your own had-to-be-there memories.